Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales price does not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Tell your chico pit boomers 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. On today's Movie Talk, we've got the very first Birds of Prey trailer. On top of that, we're talking about rumors that Marvel TV is turning to animation, and we've got some fantastic Fest highlights for you. You're not going to want to miss it. Tuesday, everyone. We've got a great show planned for you today that includes guests Haley Fouch and Alicia Grouso. But first, before we get to them and all the discussions we've got planned, we've got the call sheet. So the top story, of course, that one is the very first trailer for, I'm going to get the title right here, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Miss Harley Quinn. The trailer is here. The movie sees the return, of course, of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, but it also introduces the cast. Journey Smollett Bell as Black Canary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress, Ella J. Bosco as Cassandra Kane, and Rosie Perez as Renee Montoya. This movie is set to hit theaters on February 7th, 2020, and we're talking about that trailer later in the show. Moving on to story number two. Oh, hey, it's Fantastic Fest 2019. It recently wrapped up in Austin, and we're lucky enough to have two panelists today who were just there. That lineup of films was something else. It included In the Tall Grass, Dolomite is My Name, Jojo Rabbit, and so many more. And I'm going to challenge the two of them to pick their two favorite from the entire festival run. Story number three on the call sheet today is a rumor that turned out to be true. The upcoming World War I film, 1917, was shot to look like it's a single continuous shot Roger Deakins is behind the camera on that one alongside director Sam Mendez. This news was confirmed through a behind-the-scenes featurette, which you could watch for yourself on Collider.com. All right, we're going on to story number four. As we discussed last week, Hulu wound up canceling plans to make that Ghost Rider series, and now it's starting to look like Marvel Television overall is steering away from live action and towards animation. 
Here is what came from the Variety Report. They've got multiple industry sources saying that the perception throughout the entertainment business is that live action productions will be mostly, if not completely, moved away from Marvel television. More on this story later. We're wrapping up today's call sheet with a TV-specific story. Stranger Things was finally renewed. Obviously, it was going to get renewed, but now it's official. Stranger Things, the fourth season is a go, and this official announcement video played, of course, the Stranger Things theme song, but then it twisted into a little bit of a darker tinge, of course, to the upside down, and it wrapped up with the words, we're not in Hawkins anymore. So we're going to leave that one at that for now, and we are going to roll into a little clip from a very special edition of Comic Book Shopping that went up this morning. Check out Koi and Kevin Smith. We are in hollow ground. We are at a comic book store, and I've heard a rumor for years that you had to sell many of your comics to make clerks. Is there anything you're still hunting down? Did you get them all back? No. I, it was really liberating when I sold the collection. That's going back to, like, 1993 is when I finally got rid of it. I didn't sell it for cash. I sold it to a place called Comics Plus, our local comic book store in Middletown, New Jersey, for store credit, $2,000 in store credit. So the collection was valued using an overstreet guy, which tended to be high back in the day, was valued at, like, 12000 bucks. <laughs> I couldn't sell it. All I could get was $2,000 store credit. And then that store credit, I sold off to my friend Walter Flanagan, the guy from Comic Book Man. So he would buy, say, $200 worth of comics, and then he'd give me $150. So my value even went down. Selling the collection enabled me to make clerks, and that opened up the door to the world, for heaven's sake. So everything I got to do was because of that first kind of big sacrifice. So I'll never regret letting it go. All right, we're going to look at some more comics. Let's. So growing up in comic book culture, I see you've given yourself a trench coat at work and a coat in day-to-day life. Did you intentionally give yourself a cape? You know, honestly, that's less comic books and more Sam Kinison is where the trench uh-huh. coat came from. And also, like, I was heavy set, so I saw, like, Sam Kinison's a heavy set guy, and he's wearing a trench coat, and it hides most of the heavy sets, like a fat guy's moo. So I moved towards trench coats for that reason. But then later on, when we did, like, mall rats, and, like, Silent Bob's got the Batman helmet, and suddenly the <laughs> long coat oh, became, like, a cape, and you're like, oh, this is kind of superhero-ish. And then when The Matrix came out, you're like, this is just this cool. It is, yeah, it's better than a cape. <laughs> Now, with uh, In Silent Bob Strike Back, that Terry Dodson-esque heist scene, for me, that just read like a Terry Dodson animatic. Do you put comic flavor in your movies from a visual standpoint or verbal standpoint? How do you see the frame? I don't. Like, I really don't ever see the frame. Thank God I got a DP. I prefer things very simple, which I guess, honestly, when you look at the dynamic comic book page, like an artist can take six panels and turn it into something that comes alive, springs off the page. I don't tend to direct like a comic book. I tend to direct like a comic strip. My composition is very much that same way. I'm more interested in what the characters have to say than like, look at what I could do with a camera. And I've definitely made a few movies where I've showed off with the camera and stuff, but that's not my forte. I'm more of a dialogue person. If you want to watch the full episode of Comic Book Shopping, and of course you do, you can do just that after Movie Talk today. It's live right now on the Collider Video YouTube channel. But now, you know what it's time for. It's time to introduce my panelists. Having survived Fantastic Fest in Austin and made me super jealous every step of the way, it's Alicia Grasso and Haley Fouch. Are you guys okay? I'm great. Uh, Sure. (laughs) What was the best beer you drank and food you ate? Oh, I feel like that's a harder question than telling me your top two movies. (laughs) Festival. 
man, I don't, I'm not really a beer person. So I stick with liquor. I know I stick with liquor usually. Uh, and then obviously it's like, it's barbecue. It's always barbecue. If you're in, if you're in Texas, it's barbecue, right? I did finally try the cookies. Oh wait, what? Wait, what were the samplers? What kind? It wasn't a sampler. I got the specialty cookie for the theme this year. Okay, okay. The the theme was Mexican cinema, so they had one that was a Mexican hot chocolate and cornmeal cookie. So not super sweet, which I liked. How did I miss the cookies? It was good. It was good, but uh, but betrayal. (laughs) I'm really, I'm really in it for the barbecue. I gotta say, like the cookie was nice. But the barbecue was legit, and I, I feel like every bartender now yeah. at the Alamo just knows, like, when I walk up, vodka grapefruit. Okay. I, I think I had the margarita pizza at the Alamo, like, four or five times. Oh, they got good pizzas. Yeah, it was really, it was sad. Well, thank you for <laughs> yeah. letting me experience Fantastic Festival <laughs> of your wonderful Twitter and Instagram posts. But right now, missed I missed you guys so much. Before we get into their favorites from Fantastic Fest, guess what? A trailer dropped this morning. We have watched it. It's the very first trailer of Birds of Prey, starring Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Where else to start? But what did you think of this? Did it meet your expectations? I love it. I this is extremely, <laughs> extremely my stuff. Like I, I just can't wait. There's a lot of glitter happening. There, there's this like floor length sequin jacket she's kicking ass in, and I need to wear that mm-hmm. myself as soon as possible. I also love that it really is embracing this fantabulous emancipation motif. Mm-hmm. A post breakup film, a bunch of women finding strength in themselves and each other. It's just extremely extremely the kind of movie i want to watch and i will i will probably watch it a million times hopefully it's as good as the trailer looked because the trailer was the exact energy i want from that it's movie. very catchy there's something about yeah. the pacing of the trailer mm-hmm. that you fall into step with it very very quickly and it's almost a shame that this movie isn't coming out tomorrow so that everyone can dress like a Harley True. Quinn because it's not like Suicide Squad where everyone would have been wearing the same iteration of Harley yeah. Quinn. There, there's so many options. There's so many options in this trailer, in the image behind yeah. you. I'm, We're going to see them, though. Like People were dressed up as the Suicide Squad Harley the, the Halloween before that came that's, out. You know what? That's We're going to see them. I think we're definitely going to see a lot of the yeah. jacket, like that first I jacket so. that was released. And I'm, I might just start wearing brows with little studs on them just for fun. I'm I, I, I like that look. Did anybody <laughs> else get kind of like a distinctly like Joker vibe? Like with the first Joker trailer, mm. with the tr- didn't they do like kind of the slow-mo? Was it like... Was it Frank Sinatra? Am I making this up? It just, it, I looked, I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of feel, fits the aesthetic of the Joker, sort you, of. Yeah. I, no, I kind of, I kind of get yeah. that, uh, that it feels like Joker meets a little like, bit Guardians of the, sort of, because there's like the pops of bright color, which I really liked. Um, also, I am super here for the McGregor sons. Like, mm-hmm. I love Ewan McGregor, and I'm so excited that he's like in everything now. I'm like, yes, please put him in more movies. We need to see him back on the big screen. Like, I will watch him for everything. So, I, I think the Joker exciting. comparison might come from like there's a tinge of sadness at the beginning of yeah. it. Like when she's kind of expressing, I've been beaten down, we broke up, but then coming to rise up. And I think that's when it shifts drastically kind of like the away from the city, Sort of like, yeah, but she, but it's interesting because like she's been beaten down and broken, but she rises up in a very different way, which will be interesting. I think those will be two interesting movies to watch Joker and Birds of Prey, even though they're very different styles and kind of just compare them mm-hmm. because they kind of have the same basis and they are, even though it's, it was a different actor playing Joker. They still are, you know, characters that are connected. So that'll be kind of neat to 
almost see those as like bookends, I think. I, w- I definitely wouldn't mind, you know, especially mm-hmm. something with like as much color and pop mm-hmm. that, that this has. And I'm really excited to see what Kathy Ann can do behind the lens of something like this with with so many wonderful assets at her fingertips. Because another thing that stuck out to me about this trailer, and I think this was the appropriate mm-hmm. way to kick off their campaign, is that it's a team up movie. But like 95 percent of this trailer did focus on Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. I think that is the pitch perfect way to start this promo campaign. Mm. There was no other way to go about it. But the exciting thing about that is that in future trailers, now let's do like a group lineup and get to get introduced to all of the new iterations mm-hmm. of these comic book characters. So the fact that there's still so much room to explore in this promo part of the uh, the push for Birds of mm-hmm. Prey, I feel like that's just going to keep getting me more and more hyped yeah. for a movie that I'm already excited about. It was a really good teaser trailer. Like, it gave you just enough without giving away everything. You're like, okay, there's Harley. There's the main villain. Mm-hmm. It showed flashes of, like, who will be joining her, but it, that's about it. It didn't really give much else away which to me is a great teaser trailer because it doesn't give away too much yeah and it's funny too because they're they're not like unknown characters like Mm -hmm. black canary and hunters are very well known so they are definitely taking a back seat right now from a marketing perspective that obviously makes a ton of sense because she's the one we know already from this film universe i do say as like a as a Harley Quinn junkie that, that I am, I love seeing her, you know, tossing bombs out of a window. I love seeing her with her hyenas. This is all mm-hmm. just I- iconic imagery that I, it's, it's silly and goofy and fun in a way that I, that's how I like to see that character. And I'm excited to see her share that energy with other women. Just like ca- mm-hmm. passing a little girl, a little piece of dynamite. You take care <laughs> yeah. of this for me, honey. I love that. No There's big something deal. endearing about Harley Quinn, even though she is crazy and she is dangerous but there's something but she's been redeemed in the comics and there's something just so kind of inherently sweet about her no matter what and she's just so bubbly like when she's excited about pizza like harley focus and i was like oh i relate to that deeply because i too get distracted by pizza so i don't know i just i really love how margot robbie portrays her she just kind of nails that because she's kind of a tough character To, to get right and margot robbie i feel like from the very start has just nailed her so i really love her in this role I think this is going to be something else. And I'm also thinking that carving out that early February date for something Mm -hmm. like this is going to be spot on. At this point, what I'm picturing next is, you know how we got those character posters of Harley Quinn? What was it yesterday? The next batch is going to be of the rest of the characters. Then we're going to get trailer number two and it's going to dig further into the story. And I really just think that this one is kind of going to blow expectations away just from the comic book adaptation fan perspective. And also, I'm betting kind of big on this at the box office. Mm -hmm. Margot Robbie just has an undeniable draw. And as both of you already touched on she's just such a perfect fit for Harley Quinn. I mean, even going back to something I just mentioned before, seeing her go from just like a slightly somber tone for Harley Quinn and just ramping it up and really kind of, you know, like chewing the scenery and sinking her teeth into that maniacal kind of vibe that the character has. I just feel like the range already in a small teaser trailer is just super wide for this character. And I don't know, when you look at everybody around her, the possibilities are freaking endless for this movie. I also want to highlight sort of the attention to production value, set mm-hmm. decoration that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like the the world looks very immersive and uh, just it it it, it has more of colorful an, at the same time. It's colorful. Mm-hmm. It's it, there's a lot of really cool shapes happening, and it, it feels as if this is taking a step 
away from sort of like the grounded energy that we've had in a lot of the DC movies recently and going full tilt into comic book territory, which I really enjoy. And I'm, I'm excited. You know, we saw that glimpse of the club where she's singing and you see these sort of hands behind her. Mm-hmm. I want to see what that full set looks like. Like all yeah. these sets look really impressive and, and engrossing and bringing you into a new world. Get ready for the B-roll. I feel yeah. like I'm usually the only yeah. person who sits oh. on EPK TV and watches B-roll. I love but the B-roll. I'll be all over that. Also, you mentioned the February release date. Yes. I feel like February has become the dumping ground for the kind of the weird, quirky, edgy comic book movies. Mm. Uh, we had Deadpool. We've had Kingsman. And I think Kingsman was pretty much the first one to start that comic book movie release, like February release tradition because it was such a weird movie and nobody knew if it was going to do well. And then it made all this money, and then you have Deadpool there as well, and Deadpool too. So it, Birds of or Birds of Prey kind of fits right into that Jan, or that February. Like we can't yeah. really release this in the summer, but it's the weird kind of darker, like more kind of violent, edgier comic book movie. And it, they always do, they always do well in February. It's so. almost like it's been a little bit of a testing ground. Mm-hmm. It's like not for let's say the second installment of a series because. We also had Black Panther just blow the box office away True, in yes. February mm-hmm. and Marvel situated Shang-Chi there, both of mm-hmm. which were number one movies for a particular character. So I don't know. I think it's it's a little movies. bit of a mix between testing ground, but also, I mean, it's a prime spot at this point. We talk about this all the time, the changing landscape and everything. There's, there's very little dead zone in the release date calendar right mm-hmm. now. And there, there's something scary, but something very exciting mm-hmm. about that, too, which is part of the reason why I have so much hope that this one's going to do very well. Now you have them coming out in November, too. You have comic book movies that are, it's, it's, it's no longer the domain of, you know, like Memorial Day to Labor Day. It's all, like, they can be February. They can be November now. They can be, you know, Christmas releases almost. Like, we had Aquaman that was late in mm-hmm. November whenever it released. December. December, yeah, it, what's December? December uh, mm-hmm. Christmas time is a hot spot too. Yeah. So. And you know what else is a hot spot? Streaming services. Oh my God, we have so much content to watch. I can't handle it, but I can. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of not being able to handle all the content out there, let's move into our fantastic fest portion of the yes. show because there, you know, Haley, you know, I was freaking <laughs> out when I was scrolling through that lineup. Thankfully, yeah. I was able to see some of those movies at TIFF, but I am so insanely jealous of I'm both so of you, you because there. I, I don't know if I could have handled it. That's I, true. I After really Tiff, just like might have passed Tiff. out in the middle of Austin and you yeah, would have been scraping me off the street. But you guys had a wonderful time. Yes. Saw yes. so many movies there. Yeah. But I am going to challenge you just to pick your top two favorites. So what were they? Who wants to go first? Mm. <laughs> Thank <lady>. you. Uh, <laughs> I will start with... Um, I have to talk about, okay, I'll kick this off because I think this is the one movie that neither, you didn't see there and you haven't mm-hmm. seen yet. It's The Vast of no. Night. Uh, the Vast of Night, everyone, uh, by Andrew Patterson. I did remember it. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have. <laughs> it, it's really, it's hard to explain. It's, I, I, I've been explaining it to people. like It's kind of like an old episode of The Twilight Zone meets War of the Worlds. Um, there are some parts of it that's shot in black and white, like you're looking at a black and white TV and then it goes through the TV and then opens up into the scene into color. But it's a really simple story and it's a really kind of throwback sci-fi story, but it's done in such an interesting way where, uh, again, very kind of war of the worlds where you have two kids in this town, one who's a teenager and she's the switchboard operator and she's working a night shift because everybody in the town is gathered in the town gymnasium for the opening um, basketball game. And it's like a small town in like Arizona, I think. 
And then you have the radio DJ uh, who's maybe like 19, 20, 21, slightly older. And they start picking up weird signals on the between the radio station and between the switchboard. They start picking up this weird kind of metallic signal. And they start tracing it down and piecing it together and realize that there's something in the air above them. Mm. But it's it does really interesting things with the camera work. There are a lot of really uh, kind of crazy tracking shots like all the way through the town. There are a lot of really long single takes. A lot of moments where you have somebody telling a story or you have somebody having a conversation and it's just plant the camera just plants right on them for maybe five to ten minutes, which would be boring. But the acting is so nuanced and so good as the camera just ever so slightly pans in so much that you don't even really notice it. Um, There are times the screen goes completely black and you just hear the conversation happening and then it kind of fades in again and then it fades out and then it fades in again. So it does a lot of really fascinating interesting stuff that's kind of a a juxtaposition between the what we would consider outdated equipment and technology of the time but also doing it in a really interesting way that you don't ever see in movies and so it's not that long uh, but I think it's really worth watching if you like kind of that old school sci-fi twilight zone um, kind of B-movie sci-fi feel done in a really unique, inventive way. And I, I thought the two lead actors, the two kids, were, were phenomenal. And they were almost unknown, especially the lead uh, guy. He had like a theater background. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting. It was really well done. Well, I'm glad we're going to get the opportunity to see this sometime soon because yeah. Amazon Studios, mm-hmm. I think this was right around TIFF time, announced that uh, yeah. they picked up distribution rights to the film. So I don't know if any date has been locked in just yet, but I hopefully... I don't think so, but... I would say, I would hope soon. Hopefully sooner rather mm-hmm. than later. I can't yeah. believe, how did we miss this at Overlook? I, was it there? It was. It was. It, like, great because it did. It looks like it uh, It started at Slamdance. Well, it was at Overlook. It was at, it was at TIFF, and I know I missed honest, it at TIFF, We sadly. missed this at Overlook because we were too busy going to bars at Overlook hey. and doing, and you were doing all of the um, the different that, like, you escape know, the room ex- things yeah. and experiences. So. <laughs> I didn't know where that comment was going to go no, first. I was like, you were doing your job. I was just eating and drinking, so yes. All right, Haley, what you got for us? Yes, so uh, this is really hard because this is one of those years at Fantastic Fest. You know that I came back last year and was like, oh, I saw one of my favorite movies of my whole oh, life. Oh, my God, Suspiria. yeah. Like, there was no oh, mm-hmm. argument. That was my favorite. This year was very different. I saw, like, 20 movies that I really liked, but nothing that was like, oh, my freaking God, that's the best movie I've ever seen. It was all just, like, a huge pack of things I really liked. So... Mm-hmm. Trying to pull from that enormous pack, I'm just going to talk about two that really stood out to me last night when you asked me to pick two, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I will start with probably the the better known of the two right now, which is Parasite, mm-hmm. Bong Joon-ho's new movie. It is, you've already heard how good it is. Like, what am I going to tell you oh, you screen, haven't already heard? It's, it's fantastic. It's about uh, basically a lower income family who starts to take over the household jobs in a wealthy family's home. They are the parasites of which we are speaking. And it's sort of a, a showcase of their, a, a, their grift, how they're, they're grifting themselves into these people's lives, but also, you know, the class differences between them. And none of this sounds 
all that like relevatory. It's just that there's more that I can't say that makes it mm-hmm. a really fun, surprising, compelling movie that you ultimately you're like, what just happened? Once you think you have your your footing in that yeah. movie, he does something that you're like, oh, that's where they're going. That's where they're going now. And before you know it, it you're it's like, like, whoa, that's where they went. They're they're such just expert craftsmanship throughout the entire thing because he does touch on a whole variety of tones there and i feel like not many filmmakers can handle it as deftly as he does but this is definitely one of the best movies that i've seen all year and i'm really curious to see where this one goes as far as award season goes. well here's the thing my friend south korea (laughs) has never had a best foreign film nomination which is insane so it's about time he also was the first one to win at uh at Venice, right? Wasn't yes, he? really. Mm-hmm. I think that category might be a done. Like, I think that's yeah. going to happen. But what I'm wondering now is, can it also cross over into Best Picture? Because you know, I sit on Gold Derby all the time, and uh, and where things mm-hmm. stand now. And granted, things change often and mm-hmm. quite a bit as we get to the actual date of Oscar nominations, but. It seems like it's in the mix. Like, many are putting it in the mix right now. And I'm kind of on the cusp of whether or not to include it because, I don't know, whether it deserves it or not, sometimes you wind up in a position where where a voter could be like, well, I'm going to give it the nomination in this category, but not that category because I already did this category. And I'm a little concerned that might happen, even though I think it's deserving of a Best Picture nomination. Mm -hmm. Having not seen many of the, like, awards contender films of the year, I... I would say, sure, (laughs) like, it's wonderful. (laughs) Yes, let's put it in there. Um, I just, it's certainly worthy based on, like, technical accomplishment. The acting is fantastic. The writing is surprising and different and unique while touching on themes that are extremely universal and resonant, but making them very specific to the the culture of the, you know, the location he's working Mm. in. Um, there's, There's, the direction is beautiful, there's really nothing that you can go, this movie falls short in this area. There's really I, nothing. It's weird because I, I expressed, I think, the same exact thing walking out of it. I'm like, I, you know, I can't think of a single thing I would have yeah. done differently to make that movie better. It's just really excellent. And I guess that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up as the first one, because like, we're going to be talking about this movie not a little bit, like yeah. probably a lot in the coming months. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, it's whether whether it winds up on the best picture track, uh, may, possibly a best director track. It's going to be discussed. That is another category yes. I, I want to see it get get an honor in. And I'm just, from like a nerdy perspective, I got to talk to Vong Joon-ho at the festival, and he was like the nicest person. He was so humble, and it's like, how are you humble? <laughs> What's happening here? So just... I love good people, yeah. <laughs> and I would like to celebrate that as well as good movies. I'm right yeah. there with you. All right, Alicia, what is your second pick? Um, I had a couple that I really, kind of like Haley, I had a couple that I really, really liked, but I wouldn't have given them like five stars. But my second movie I have to pick is Knives Out. Uh, that was the closing night movie. It was kind of the... It was kind of the perfect movie to close. It's a real, it's a real crowd pleaser, and so um, it was interesting because they did Parasite and then Knives Out for the lineup that day. Mm. And I can understand why they didn't flip it around because <laughs> that would have been a real weird ending. Uh, but Knives Out is just, it's. Did you, you saw it? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's a lot of fun. It's it's uh, it's a whodunit, but it has kind of multiple twists in it, and I'm trying 
not to spoil anything, but the cast of characters has such amazing chemistry together. And uh, Ana de Armas is great. She's kind of our plucky protagonist. But honestly, the one that stole the show for me was Daniel Craig. He kind of takes, he kind of reprises his Logan Lucky drawl, but in a much more like kind of Southern gentleman kind of way. And he just leans into the foghorn leghorn, just hamminess of it all. And he, he drops these lines that coming from anybody else would seem ridiculous because they're so melodramatic and noirish, but because he's so leaning into that cornball aspect of his character it, he he delivers some of the best lines of the movie, like lines where the audience was laughing so loud I couldn't even hear Biggest the next laugh line. Of the year for me was one of his little speeches. I just freaking howled like high pitched. Was annoying. it toward the end? Yeah, shouldn't about humans the, shouldn't make the noise that <laughs> I was. Was it the boy in the bathroom? That no, line, that line. You know the line I'm talking uh-huh. about. But that one, I laughed nope. so hard that I, I was actually <laughs> drinking at the time, and I almost did. A, I literally almost did a spit take, which I didn't actually think happened outside of movies. Yeah. Oh no, it does. It mm. does. <laughs> uh, oh, it does. Yep. And I was really glad it was really dark in the theater at that moment. I sure do. Uh, but Sorry, Roka. Yeah. I may have once spat upon Roka. So, sometimes when I'm in a bad mood, I'll picture yeah. that just to put a smile <laughs> on my face. Uh, but yeah, it was amazing. It was it was a ton of fun. It's um, it's very much just like a fun, like weirdo oddball. The entire cast is phenomenal. Chris Evans is actually really great. I mean, yeah. everybody kind of forgets because he's been Captain America for so long that he started out his career kind of playing that jerky like kind of cocky like jerk and he's returning to his roots there in this and it is fantastic so i had a ton of fun with it it's a really good crowd pleaser it's a ton of fun um so yeah so i i personally really love that one i can't wait to see it again because Mm -hmm. the audience reaction at tiff also was so Mm -hmm. loud that sometimes i would miss lines and i wanted to hear what followed the really great joke but yeah i second everything you said this thing was just Oh, it was really, it's wild. And it's Ryan Johnson doing exactly what Ryan Johnson wants to do Mm -hmm. with this kind of world that he created. And it's just so nice to be able to feel how into it everybody is. Mm -hmm. They, they all have an idea. It's like Daniel Craig. He looks like he is having a freaking blast. Mm -hmm. So is Chris Evans. So is Ryan Johnson. They basically take this concept and they take it to Mm -hmm. an 11, if not higher. And it serves the experience extremely well. well. Ryan was actually there at Fantastic Fest and he he did a QA and a afterward. And I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Haley, but he was saying something like Daniel Craig was the first one on board and he's the reason why the movie happened because he was a big name. And then they only had a really short amount of time. So it was something like six weeks from the time that they cast Daniel Craig and got him on board to shooting was like six weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, and he said it actually helped because instead of calling up all these huge actors and being like, Hey, we have something, you know, kind of clear schedule Mm -hmm. for some time next year. He was like, Hey, want to show up next month and just like come to this place and shoot a real quick movie. And they were like, sure. So it came together really fast, like within like less than two months of the time they cast Daniel Craig to the time the cameras rolled. They cast everybody, got everybody on board, and shot like the very next month. This is also one of those ones where, like, a lot of times it's almost a curse when you see a cast this good, the movie can't possibly be good. It happens so often. But this is one of the rare ones where every single person really shines with Mm -hmm. what they're asked to do. Don Johnson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Christopher Plummer also seems to be having a great time in this movie. Uh, really everyone, Lakeith Stanfield gets kind of like a straight man role, but he does a wonderful job with it. 
everyone, it, it just, the, the quality of the cast does not disappoint. It mm-hmm. is, in fact, fulfilled mm-hmm. in the film. Like, literally every single person of this gigantic ensemble yeah. is memorable and serves mm-hmm. a real purpose. And really that hard is a to feat in so many departments. Yeah. Excellent scripting, not just because the lines made me laugh so hard mm-hmm. I cried, but just, uh, again, you can't give anything away, but it is, suffice it to say, that in a murder mystery with today's audience, you often will be like, duh, uh, this he has written it in a way so as to have multiple um, twists and turns and, and changes in directions so that it's not as simple as you think it's going to be. In fact, mm-hmm. it, it tells you things you wouldn't think you'd know very early on. And then it just it's it very smart. It kind of the genre, like real early yeah. on in the movie, and you're like, oh, oh okay. It's almost like watching The Good Place where they kind of blow up their whole structure yes. and then you're like, where is this going to go? And then season two is even better. And so it's, it's very much like that where you're like, well, now what? And then it actually, you're like, oh, okay, this is a different movie than I thought I was getting, but better. While still honoring the genre that he wants to be in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big fan of the script. Okay. Last one. Last one. So because we have this audience here, I do want to highlight a few titles real quick. Color Out of Space, First Love, Synchronic, Sweetheart, and After Midnight, and the documentary Iron Fist and Kung Fu Kicks. Loved all of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just don't have time to talk about it. Oh, and of course, Knives and Skin, which you guys probably already know I'm obsessed with. Okay, so, but what I did pick to talk about <clears throat> at more length is St. Maud, which yeah. was uh, premiered at TIFF and <laughs> was acquired by A24. Mm-hmm. Once you see it, you'll be like, yep, that's an A24 horror movie. Yeah, it's super moody. It's, it's, there's this, like, vague sense of dread that's creeping in. Very gray. Yeah, all, uh, just the sense of darkness that seems to be suffusing out of every corner and coming closer and closer to you as the film goes on. It's very A24, and I love it. Uh, my biggest compliment is that I woke up that night at, like, 3 in the morning and was like, ooh, I feel spooked out. Like, I just thought of a scene from that scary movie, and now I'm spooked out I'm in my you'd even bed. gone to bed at that point. Uh, <laughs> yes, sometimes I sleep. Uh, yeah, it was. it's a good one. It got under my skin. It is about a newly converted Christian devotee who is working as a nurse, and her new assignment is this sort of art world intellectual former dancer who is in her final days before dying. And uh, Maud, the young woman, takes it upon herself to say this is my path it is to save this woman's soul and this woman in art world intelligentsia is like haha religion no uh and they have sort of a battle of wits as mm-hmm. they're both at the most desperate lonely time in their life and they they strike up an unexpected bond in between their sort of like complete inability to see each other's own religious points of view and spooky shit happens too real spooky stuff mm-hmm. Uh, there, it, it, it probably had two or three of the biggest vocal reactions I heard at Fantastic Fest this year. I have a feeling I know what at least one mm-hmm. of them. You definitely know yeah. what one of them oh, is. Oh, well, yeah. N- yeah. No, I'm thinking about things that aren't even pertaining to, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's got one of the best sort of, it's not, I don't want to set up an expectation that there's a twist ending, which I feel like is an expectation that had been set up for me, which I think diminishes the experience of the film. There is mm-hmm. no twist ending, but there's a wonderful kicker at the end that just yeah. drives home the mm-hmm. ending. It, it, it's, a, it's a nice, like, stabbed 
point yeah. on it's the a, very end. It's a wonderful ending to a mm-hmm. film that is wonderful in its own right. And it only, uh, I think, it's more intense, builds, and ultimately crescendos uh, right at the very end. And you're like, it's, it's one of those movies where you kind of think you know what's going on. Um, I, I admit, I, I liked it. I wasn't sold the first two acts. Mm. I'm like, this is really good, but where is this going? I need, I need a little bit more like to develop and then the third act kind of and also I thought I knew it was going that was on me so (laughs) I did not uh but also the third act kind of introduces some uh scenes that you're like oh maybe I don't know what's happening maybe it it maybe it's something else um the scene in her bedroom at night so Mm. um where she starts hearing things uh, and then the third oh, act just yeah. kind of gets crazy, and you're like, "Oh, okay, this is this is this went all the way there." Um, and then I was really in. And then yeah, that last, the very last shot is like an all timer. Yeah, like that is still seared in my brain. It it has an effect, and that is certainly the ending is one of those loud moments that I was oh referring my God. to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also, I mean, I understand the, your perspective. For me, it had me from, like, go because of mm-hmm. this conflict of faith that I find very interesting. And the idea of how her love for God is presented. This is also... Uh, there are elements of sexuality at play in this film because mm-hmm. the woman she's taking care of is so liberally minded and sexually free, whereas mm-hmm. she is very wrapped up in her religion at this point. It's just um, a really complicated portrayal of faith and faith that you feel, faith that you hear, faith that you see, faith that you want to see in other people and what you see back. And I found that push-pull between them. Also, the actresses, unbelievable, oh God, yeah. both of them. Yeah. Morfid Clark and Jennifer, Jennifer Ely are... Oh my God. Phenomenal. Also, should be mentioned that this is a directorial debut Rose by Glass. a Roman, woman named Rose Glass. Yes, and um, as I wrote in my review on Collider.com, I think that one of A24's enduring legacies is actually going to be like as a home to some of the most impressive directorial debuts of yeah. all time. Yeah. Wow, you're so right. Yeah. Now that yeah. I'm starting to roll through their mm-hmm. lineup, they really do have quite the amount of them to their it's name. Crazy. But yeah, I basically, again, I second everything you guys said. This was a, a very pleasant surprise. And I say surprise just because it wasn't really on my radar at right. TIFF. I was simply assigned to do the interview for it. So mm-hmm. I watched the film and I'm a big fan of Jennifer Ely in general. But this is the first time I'm experiencing the work of Morfitt Clark and Rose Glass. I thought this was something else. And, you know... I feel like some of the moments that got the biggest reactions out of me, it wasn't even just like from a shocking visual or story beat or something like that. You could see A plus visual work with spot on editing and sound Mm -hmm. design, like all come together magically. And when I see a whole production come together so perfectly in a Mm -hmm. moment, I I get really excited about that. And there's one of those like, close to the middle-ish of the movie, mm-hmm. and it's probably one of the most memorable moments I had watching mm-hmm. a movie at TIFF. It, I, oh, sorry, I was going to say, it used visual effects in a really interesting way because it didn't... There were a couple big, big scenes visually, but there yeah. were a few moments that were just subtle, and it all made me go, wait, did I see that? What the mm-hmm. heck was that? And then you're like, oh, okay, that's... Her face just did something weird, or that was creepy, or she just moved in an unnatural way and so it it did it with subtlety which i really appreciated because so often you see that and it, it's over the top and dramatic and it was just enough so that it made you kind of question if you were seeing what you were really seeing mm-hmm. or if what you thought was right was right so sorry mm-hmm. no 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 continue uh i love to talk about my favorite movies let's do this forever um, <laughs> I, I also just 
sort of touching back on something you were saying about all the way moments come together, something else I really loved is there can be moments of emotional violence that uh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of one in particular, but that remind me almost of sort of the dinner scene in Hereditary, where it's not the mm-hmm. scariest scene in the movie, but it is one that makes you go like, <gasps> "It's tense. Oh yeah. It's uncomfortable." And, like right. that is that is emotionally it's grotesque. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that is uh, that's a good comparison there. I'm so happy we were able to do this segment on October 1st because Yay. there is so Yay. much creepy fair to look forward to. It's wonderful. We are saving a little bit of time at the end of the show for your live chat questions, so make sure you're sending them in right now and. Oh, hey, stuff to promote. Great content to promote on the Collider Video YouTube channel. Here's what we got. Hi, I'm Koi Jandro, host of Collider Heroes, and I'm here to tell you we've got 20-minute episodes coming at you on Collider Video, on the YouTube, as you've always loved it. Plus, now we've got hour-long podcasts dropping every Thursday, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast because it's going to get even more sweaty on the podcast. Plus, Every week, we're going to try to get some very special guest interviews, all of the people that help shape these movies and TV shows you love. So, video, podcast, interviews all coming at you. Be sure to subscribe. Thanks so much, guys. Stay sweaty. The Witching Hour is all over Collider right now. You can listen to that horror-filled podcast with myself, with Haley Fouch. We talk about witchiness. We talk about slashers. We talk about space horror. You name it. All on that show on the Collider Factory feed. And on top of that, you can find an article all about Witching Hour every single Tuesday on Collider.com. Check it out. Get scared. Hopefully you survived the Witching Hour. Oh, that was me. That was me. (laughs) Okay. Let's roll into our third panel segment today. We're talking about that Marvel television shift to animation. So we covered it a little in the call sheet. I'm not going to bring up all that kind of stuff again. And simply put, I am going to ask you guys, give me a pro and con to the Marvel television division veering more towards animation and away from live action and live action being in Kevin Feige and I guess Disney Mm -hmm. Plus's hands at this point. Um, I, the pros I think is that, uh, or there are a couple, I think, um, the Marvel television has been kind of up and down in consistency, whereas the Marvel studios has been generally pretty consistent in quality. Um, so I think Kevin Feige is a master at live action. And also, I mean, the budgets he's getting for the, the Disney plus series rival the movies. So it's just going to be kind of a different format, but there's not gonna be any drop off in quality. Uh, I also think that if you're shifting toward animation for TV, it kind of frees up Marvel television to get experimental. I mean, think of Into the Spider-Verse. Like, if you have TV series like that that can play with animation and maybe not have that budget, but get experimental and get fun and get quirky and kind of push the envelope, I think that's only a good thing for Marvel. Um, As far as cons... I don't see a lot of cons. Maybe it might be a little bit, uh, a little bit less diversity in terms of tone that you see because they did a really good job. I do think Marvel Television about having a lot of the young adult uh, kind of oriented shows like uh, Cloak and Dagger and The Runaways, which you don't really get in the rest of the Marvel universe. And you also have the really dark kind of more adult oriented Netflix stuff, which you also don't really get in the movies. So. Um, from a homogenous standpoint, I think it kind of reduces all the different things you can do, but I'm hoping that the animation kind of makes up for that. And that's where they can get really experimental and fun and try things they wouldn't be able to do necessarily on Disney plus or in the studios, the studio portion. All right, Haley, what you got pro con? Uh, I also don't have a ton in the way of cons just because I kind of already adjusted to all the cons of it when they canceled my husband, Daredevil. 
Uh, like I will, I will miss that world where he and Jessica Jones can be naughty and say the swear words and be the (laughs) just ever loving heck out of people. Uh, but that I've already crossed that bridge. Like I said, those emotional goodbyes before. So what was remaining was mostly what you sort of referred to, which is the, you know, the younger audience appeal. Uh, That feels totally something though. I think that Marvel, um, you know, Marvel, the Feige branch of Marvel is probably capable of doing, you know, there's, mm-hmm. they won't do Kingpin smashing someone's head off, but they will absolutely do young adult superhero stuff. I'm, so that's not a huge loss. Uh, I guess the biggest con would be the lack of diverse hands in the pool in terms of, you know, we had shows on FX, we had shows on Fox, we had shows mm-hmm. on ABC, we had mm-hmm. shows on Netflix. It's a lot of different creatives in there. That said, not a ton of them turned out that great. So I'm I'm pretty okay with it. We I'm excited in terms of pros. I'm I'm really excited to see them finally these live action shows will be a part of the universe. They don't have to dance around the universe. They don't have to be like poor shield like we're here. We're in the world kind of. We promise, but not really. Or you know, even even the Netflix shows, they had to always event. refer yeah. to the event <laughs> yeah. but never tangle with the event, mm-hmm. things like that. That's just we don't need that anymore. That era has passed, and I, I'll be glad to see it go. Yeah. Uh, as for as for animation, that's you know, that's fun. Who doesn't love that? Mm-hmm. That's classic. I think what most of us probably grew up before mm-hmm. live action Marvel stuff became as big as it is. We watched the animated Marvel series, and that's a wonderful thing. I'd love to see more of a rise of that. The focus has been so much on live action mm-hmm. series that I would like to see more of a shift towards animation and. And embracing, sort of, in animation, you have more of a free reign to embrace the wonder of superheroics and things like that, as opposed to the really <laughs> grounded. I, I keep returning to Netflix. I just really miss those shows, guys. It's okay. Uh, yeah. I miss my husband. Your love of Daredevil. I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't even watch Beyond Daredevil season yeah. two just because time was tough. But yeah. my heart breaks for you. Yeah, I miss it. I he miss was it. So good in that role, like him and Jessica Jones. If I could take any two characters, I would take Charlie Cox and Kristen Ritter and bring them over into the world. They are doing though the What If animated series yes. on Disney Plus, which I'm looks amazing. To see what that does for the future of mm-hmm. this, because so they have What If, which is launching launching in the near ish future, and then. As far as uh, the Marvel TV department goes, they've got Howard the Duck, Modoc, Hitmonkey, and Tiger and Dazzler. So I'm just curious to see how What If plays, how those four show, shows play, and then kind of what happens to the, the corporate structure after mm-hmm. that as well. I, I'm always all for things going under Kevin Feige's you know, oversight just because he has a proven track record. I'm really excited yeah. with Disney for what Disney Plus has cooking, but... It's not even like I I watched all the Netflix shows. I don't watch Cloak and Dagger, but something does upset me a little thinking that. And actually, when you look at these four uh, animated shows at Marvel Television, they're all supposed to be more adult-oriented fare. Mm -hmm. It it saddens me a little to know that maybe, you know, Freeform or CW or some of those networks might not be an option going forward for that Mm -hmm. kind of content. And also because when you look at the Disney Plus series lineup, Yes, we have the introduction of, you know, She-Hulk, Moon Knight, and probably many others in the future. But right now, most of their shows are geared towards characters that we know. And by having this other division exploring other areas of live action TV and giving them to other networks, it just opened the door for more possibilities, more, you know, lesser known heroes that maybe didn't warrant, I think, what are they saying? Something like, 
100 million to 150 million dollars for uh six to eight episodes so Mm -hmm. what if we have this great character that deserves screen opportunity a screen opportunity but doesn't really fit that budget for disney plus the fact that the door will be firmly Mm -hmm. shut to those characters is is a little upsetting i i see what you mean and like it's it's not to say that I don't care about this at all because I already had my heart broken. That's, like, kind of rude. <laughs> but uh, it, it's just, you know, so to think... I, I lost touch with Legion. I won't lie. We, we set, went our separate ways at a certain point. Same. But I'm glad that it existed, and that super weird show might not happen on Disney+. Plus. That said, they keep touting how weird WandaVision is going to be. So... I guess I'm willing to see what their definition of weird is before I say, mm-hmm. well, we'll never get anything mm-hmm. like that again. But it is it is a hit that, to think that that sort of project no longer can be in development in other mm-hmm. places. But you had things like, like Cloak and Dagger, too, which yeah. had two teen leads, and it dealt with very real things that teenagers face. It had uh, drug abuse and addiction. It had, uh, you know, codependency. It had... Um, abuse it had you know strained relationships with parents and it, it that's stuff that teenagers like cope with and deal with and and i love marvel and i love disney and i'm so excited for disney plus but it is a little you know it, it is a little whitewashed it's a little anesthetized and 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 so you're not going to get storylines like that where you have teenage characters that are dealing with real world issues they actually deal with and and i think that's a little bit of a shame too because it polishes the world so much um, and it reflects it kind of as this perfect version of the world. Whereas I want to see a little bit of the messy stuff too. And the, mm-hmm. the, the actual real world, actual real world things come into play, which I don't think we'll see anymore. We're, um, we're certainly not going to see a survivor story like yeah, Jessica Jones on exactly. Disney Plus. But I'm excited to see where the Disney Plus shows go. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm torn. I, I too had my heart broken when I had to say goodbye <laughs> to Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Not as much Luke Cage in Iron Fist. Although Iron Fist season two got a lot better, but whatever. It's oh. water under the bridge. Yeah. A new era is upon us. Hopefully there will be new shows for you to fall in love with. You say a new era. The thing is there's always going to be one, right? If this plan doesn't pay off as well as they're hoping, then they will reevaluate. So I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm reluctant to get too... Uh, devastated or anything mm-hmm. when doors close because the way of the industry is that they will reopen again spider-man is back in the mcu mm-hmm. these things happen we will yeah. see and we will be covering it all on movie talk before we go we did want to save time for one live chat question just one this one comes from Zeno hour who wants to know thoughts on the six underground trailer and What's your favorite Michael Bay movie? I know we didn't get the chance to all catch Six Underground this morning because of all the Birds of Prey madness. I did watch it. I thought this is kind of what I would expect from a star-studded Michael Bay action movie. I was surprised to realize how much I kind of missed his action shooting style. Mm -hmm. This thing just looks absolutely wild. There's a part where, like, water is pouring out of a skyscraper-like building at the top floor. I just cannot wait to see all of these stunts as they play out in the context of the full movie. And Mm -hmm. this cast just looks nuts. So I am all in. As for your favorite Michael Bay movie, what you got? I got the most boring answer in the world. The Rock. Everyone picks The Rock, right? It's the best one. Is that, is that... That's what I was going to pick, too. Yeah, of course. Um, okay. I, would I, say, I, I hate to say it, but it's you the know one. What? I kind of love Armageddon, too, oh, just because yeah. it's so it, it's so perfectly 
captures my teenage years in that 90s disaster movie era where <laughs> none of it makes any scientific sense. And there's just a bunch of explosions. And, and also, one of my all-time favorite DVD commentary tracks is um, Ben Affleck doing yes. the commentary track. Guys, do yourselves a favor. <laughs> you can find those on YouTube. If you have never heard the uh, Ben Affleck doing the DVD commentary track of Armageddon, do yourselves a favor and watch it. It is amazing. Um, and so it's so cheesy and it's so corny, but it just has kind of a special place in my heart because that was one of my like teenage movies and it's so it's like peak 90s disaster movie and so i i love it i am with you on that mm -hmm. armageddon is my number one and i feel like we all just broke makuga's heart by not picking bad boys but well i was so gonna say it. bad boys 2 was very big for me at a time in my life i'm not sure watching it now that it holds up quite as well as how much i loved it at that time but I definitely abused my copy of Bad Boys 2 at a certain period of okay, time. Okay, I'm yeah. sure that's going to make Makuga so happy. So calm down. We can calm walk down, out of the studio after yeah. the show. All right, one more thing before we say goodbye. It looks like our Gemini Man IMAX screening has officially been announced. And it's going to be next Monday. And guests will include Jerry Bruckheimer and... Angley. If you want to find out how you can get tickets to that, all the information is on Collider.com right now. I have to say, I could talk to you guys for hours. Like, forget no. just Fantastic Fest about freaking everything on this lineup today. Haley, Alicia, thank you so much for your time today. Adam, Dorian, thank you guys so much for your support and hard work to everybody out there. Thank you for watching. Don't leave this video without liking and sharing it. And you know where you should go right after you leave this video. You should go on over to Collider Live. They kick off at 10 a.m. Pacific, and then we'll see you again tomorrow morning at 9 for a brand new movie talk. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 8 Stay little chico, Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.